This week, we finish off our tour down the Romans Road. And if this is the first week you've joined us on this journey, uh, the Romans Road is something I made up a while back. What's funny is I could convince 85% of us. We raised our hands in the first week, and, and like only about 20% of the people actually had heard of the Romans Road before, and I love that because that means we have a house full of people who weren't raised in church. And that means we've created a place where you're comfortable to come even if you weren't raised in church, and God gets so much glory for that. Amen. But some of you know what it is. So the Romans Road is, is Paul, this guy named Paul. He wrote a letter to the church at Rome. And someone later on took that letter and made it part of the Bible. But they also, someone went back and took Paul's letter to the church at Rome and they took out some verses from it and basically made a cliff notes of the path to salvation. So they took a a long story, which is Christ saving the world, and they boiled it down to a few verses. They called this the Romans road. And so we've been walking down this together. And our plan from the beginning was not to walk down this road in the same way we'd walked it before. So the call for us on this was to take the old time religion and make it relevant and new. And I believe God has done that. So we're not driving this this road in your Studebaker, in your your grandpappy Studebaker. We're driving it in a big truck with mud tires and glass packs and ground effects. Do people still have ground effects? Base cannon, anyone still have a base cannon? We're driving it in a 1994 car, okay? Because in 1994, all those things were cool. But we're driving the road in a brand new way, and, uh, and, and I'm excited about that. So we started with Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the first stop, is understanding that sin is in all of us. Uh, sin has is, is so perverted the world that we are all stained by sin. Every single person is stained by sin. And then Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. We're all sinners. We're all stained by sin, right? Apart from Christ. The wages of sin, the result of sin, the payoff of sin, what we deserved for sin was death. Because sin leads to death. Not just eternal death, not just the death of your life, but the death of your dreams, the death of your hopes, the death of the God-given purpose you were given. Sin leads to death. But then last week we came to this verse, Romans 5.8. And it says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's like, we said last week, man, it'd be cool if we could get to the point. And my hope is we're all getting there. We just put that verse on the screen and we just all fall down and celebrate. Man, we're so overcome. Like we should all get that tattooed on our chest. For God, maybe not all kids are like, no, you got to ask your parent. But for God loved us so much that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It's incredible, man. It's beautiful. It wasn't about our ability to get to him. It was about his desire to get to us. And so God created all these free will beings. And he says, you can freely choose me or you can freely not. And the way God gets his glory, the, way, the reason God created us is so that he would receive glory from us. And God receives his glory from us, not when he makes us slaves, which he could have done. He's God. He has that power. He gets his glory from us when we freely choose to glorify him. And in that, that's what creation was designed to do. And so that's how God receives his glory from creation. When we worship him because we want to, God smiles and he's glorified. And this week we're going to make our final stop on the Romans road to salvation. And this one is probably my favorite one of the whole series. Um, 
It's Romans 10, 9 through 13, and it says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the story is, the road is, all are sinners. Sin kills. In our sin, Christ died for us. So that, not, not, so we'd be, not so life would be forced upon us. He didn't force eternal, he didn't force heaven on us. He didn't force life with Christ on us. He died so that we would have the choice. And for those who call on his name, you will receive life. The fullness of life as it was designed to be. So I read this verse and the first thing I, th I think is, I don't know. Does that mean we just come in here and go, Jesus! I mean, is that, what, is that how you're saved? If that saves you, the guy I played golf with in Memphis is Billy Graham. See, he said God's name a lot. But I, you know what? Let me, let me illustrate this point with a deep little clip that I've pulled together for you guys. Go ahead. Hey, cuz. Heard you're having money problems. No, you didn't. Listen, I got the answer. You declare bankruptcy. All your problems go away. Creed Bratton has never declared bankruptcy. When Creed Bratton gets in trouble, he transfers his debt to William Charles Schneider. How would that help, Creed? In Monopoly, you go bankrupt, you lose. You don't go by Monopoly, man. That game is nuts. Nobody just picks up get-out-of-jail-free cards. Those things cost thousands. That is a good point. Bankruptcy, Michael, is nature's do-over. It's a fresh start. It's a clean slate. Like the witness protection program. Exactly. Not at all. I've always wanted to be in the witness protection program. Fresh start. No debts, no baggage. I've already got my name picked out. Lord Rupert Everton. I'm a, uh, a shipping merchant who raises fancy dogs. That's the life. I declare... Bankruptcy! <clears throat> Was he bankrupt after that? I mean, is that how you declare bankruptcy? You just stand there and go, bankruptcy! Well, he declared it with his mouth. Maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe there's more to life with Christ. To, to walking down this road than just saying the name of Jesus. Maybe there's more to it than just singing a song about Jesus. Maybe there's more to it than just going through some religious motions. Maybe there's just more to it than just, you know, giving 10%, although you should really do that. Maybe there's more to it than simply stating the name of Jesus. Maybe he desires for your heart to actually be changed and your words to be changed along with it. Maybe what he wants is all of you, not just your words but everything. And I love it. it says, profess with your mouth and believe with your heart. It's not enough just to say. As a matter of fact, Matthew quotes Jesus' saying in, in, the, in Matthew's 
letter, he quotes Jesus saying, man, a lot of you are going to come to me the last day and you're going to say, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say, I don't even know you. So there's more to it than just saying it with your, with your mouth. But this road walks us through it. I had a conversation with a friend of mine last week, and he said, um, uh, this, this friend said, I don't feel what you feel. I want to, but I don't feel it right now. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it right now. I don't, I don't see what you see. And, and what he was saying was, I don't feel what you feel. Now. I, I want to, but I don't believe what you believe. And he was almost frustrated because I could see it in this friend of mine's eyes. He wants to believe it so bad, but he just can't quite get there. And so I want him to hear, and I want you to hear, and I want her to hear that this is about a process. And, and I want you to understand this regardless of what we have told you. You can't just believe in something that you don't believe in. I, I can't just tell you, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus. And you go, oh, okay, I believe in Jesus now. If you don't believe in Jesus... You don't believe in Jesus no matter how many times I tell you believe in Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, you don't love Jesus no matter how many times we sing about loving Jesus. You can tell me to believe in the, in the you know, tooth fairy, but if I don't believe in the tooth fairy, I just don't believe in the tooth fairy. That's life, right? If I don't believe it, I don't believe it until I believe it. And the truth is, I want you to hear this. I, I, I want you to hear this. You can't just decide to believe in Jesus. This process requires that God changes your heart. There, there's, there's a path to this. and it, You know, before, before I knew God, I wasn't miserable all the time. I had peace. I had, I had peace. I laughed. I laughed a lot. I laughed about a lot of things. <laughs> all right? It wasn't like I was walking around miserable all the time. Before I knew God, I had peace. I had the peace that the world gave me. As long as there was money in my bank account, I had peace. As long as I had friends, I had peace. As long as, as, long as things were going good and there was health in my family, I had peace. So I had peace before I knew God. I had peace when I was invited to the party. Some days after the party, I had peace. But it wasn't, it wasn't like my life was void of any peace. The problem was the peace I had was completely false. It was a peace that could be taken away. And so what happens is over time, God is pursuing me. And God has been pursuing me before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. And God has been pursuing you before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. And at some point in life, you will make an intellectual decision. This is where it starts, an intellectual decision that sin is causing a problem in the world. You will see some things. You'll see death that shouldn't have happened. You, you, you'll, see, you'll see addiction. You'll, see, you, you'll, you'll start to see these things. You'll watch television. You'll watch news. And intellectually, in your mind, God will make you aware and you will respond with your free will by saying, there's something wrong in the world. Sin is causing a problem. And as you say, as you say sin is causing a problem, God, you open a door to your heart and God gets in there and begins to work. And for a while, it's just intellects, which is sin is causing a problem. But over time, something happens. The peace that you had, the peace that the world gives you, you, you ever start to move towards Christ? What happens to that peace that the world gives you? It begins to fade, doesn't it? 
You lose a little peace because God starts to do something inside your heart that says, now not only is sin a problem, but I now feel bad. It's gone from head to heart. Not only now do I intellectually agree that sin is a problem, I've said it in the mouth, now my heart is being changed, and now I believe my sin is a problem, and now I feel bad about things I didn't, I didn't feel bad about. It. I quite enjoyed that the other day. Now I feel bad about it. Are you with me? And as you begin to feel bad about something, as you begin to, to understand that sin has caused a problem, there comes a point in your life where you acknowledge you can't control the sin in your life. And if any of you have ever been through AA, you probably know where I'm going. You acknowledge that you need the help of a higher power because the sin in your life is out of control. And as you acknowledge that, God continues to work in your heart. And over time, God begins to introduce you not to a higher, not, not, not just a higher power, but to a person, and that person's name is Jesus Christ. And through God's work in your heart over time, and your free will to continue to pursue, to continue to move forward even when you doubt, to continue to, continue to seek God over time, God's grace and your free will combine and before you know it you begin to believe that Christ died on the cross and was resurrected from the grave you have no idea how you got there but suddenly you believe that Christ was crucified dead and buried and he rose again and he saved me and when that happens you are changed the old man is gone a new man is born and you're different and you've got this new life, but you still have free will. You still get to decide what to do with this new life. And for so many people, they will decide to take this new life and surrender it completely to Christ, your free will, his grace. And when you surrender your free will to his grace and you give him everything, everything changes. Guys, I, I want you to understand this. Your eternity can change like that. By asking God to be in your heart and by, by believing this. But the rest of your life, you are changing. Like you'll spend the rest of your life becoming what you became in a minute. Because God is transforming you and your belief is deepening and growing and growing. You're loving him more and more and more. You can't just decide to love God. But through God's work in your heart, your heart can become strangely warm. And over time, with your free will and his grace, you will fall in love. And that's the process. And for some of us, that happens over a great deal of time. For some of you, it happened really quickly. Like it happened at vacation Bible school when you were in second grade. And most of us go, we don't get that. Amen that it did. But if you're not quite there yet, I want you to hear me. If you don't believe what I believe, if you're not motivated by what I motivate, but you're still here, then you don't even know it, but you're walking by faith and not by sight. You don't even know it. You're on a path. You're on the Romans road. And you can't even see it. And you're still walking it. Because God is cultivating faith inside of your heart. Faith you don't even know you have. You think you have less faith than me because you don't get emotional like I do. 
You might have more faith than me because you don't have the emotions and continue to follow. You continue to walk. God is doing something inside of you. God is doing something inside of you. Something incredible, something bigger than your feelings, something bigger than your emotions. If you will keep walking that road, I promise you, you will find him. You will experience what you were always designed to experience, real peace. Not the peace. Listen, this, this, this is so good. Romans 5, 1 and 2. This is the payoff for the road. Romans 5 says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. As, as you're walking towards Jesus, this old worldly peace slowly over time begins to fade, begins to fade, and it's replaced with this peace that passes all human understanding, a peace that comes from God, a peace that's not affected by the stock market, a peace that's not affected by, by anything, a peace the world cannot steal. You get a peace you didn't have. Jesus said it like this in John 14. He said, peace I leave with you, peace I give you. I don't give it like the world gives it. Do not let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. He says, you've got my peace now. That world peace, the minute you lost that money, that peace was gone. The minute you lost that relationship, that peace was gone. My peace, the world can never take. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He's not saying you're going to be happy all the time. He's not creating a, a, you know, a world full of cheerleaders. He's creating a world full of people who for some reason believe that no matter what we experience, it's going to get better. That this life is not all there is. That there's something more to all of this. Peace. And as we, as we move towards Christ, the enemy of peace continually tries to get us. And the enemy of peace is shame, right? Shame keeps trying to come up. And, and when you had that old peace, that, that fake peace, that world peace, shame could take it in a second. But with this new peace, all shame ever does is push us closer to Christ. What the devil intended to destroy us, God will use to renew us. He's like, you feel shame closer to me. And, and at some point in life, we will come to believe what Paul believed when he wrote this in Romans 8, 1, and this is so good. He said, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. He said, there is no shame. There is no shame for us. When we're moving towards Christ, when we're walking towards Christ, when shame comes up and tries to steal this peace from us, we simply say, no, I need more God. I'm gonna do what I gotta do. I'm, I'm gonna fight. I'm, I'm gonna fight to live clean. I'm gonna move towards God. Shame, you have no place in my life anymore. You don't own me. There's no condemnation because I belong to Christ Jesus. That old man, he, he had shame, but this new man, shameless. Shameless as a man can be. Sorry. <laughs> Isn't it good to feel free? Isn't it good to feel free? Let me tell you guys something. This isn't just, this isn't just, I mean, this is so incredibly practical. Peace, it's real. I was writing this message this week. I was writing it on, um, on Monday. And over and over, Chris and I were talking about this, over and over, God keeps giving us, our family, like practical application for every sermon. So now I'm, I'm like, God, give them practical application, not me. We've got this. 
And so I'm writing this message on Monday. I had just written the close. And Christy calls me, and she's been working at a place for three years, and that place has decided to go a different direction. There's nothing wrong with the work she did, nothing wrong with that clinic, and, and they decided to let my wife go. So the job she's had, uh, my, my wife makes more than me. I've got no shame in that. You should all get a sugar mama. Um, <laughs> come on now. I'm no dummy. <laughs> but you know what? Christy came Monday and we talked and our first collective response wasn't panic, it was peace. We lost the vast majority of our income but they can't take our peace. Stan, I can't even look at you while I tell this story. You wanna hear about peace? Yesterday we buried Stan's 23-year-old son and Stan sat on the front row and gave me permission to be honest, brutally honest. And when I looked in Stan's eyes, and when I looked in Zach's eyes, and when I looked in Tracy's eyes, you know what I saw? I saw pain. Don't get me wrong, I saw pain. But I saw peace. Because Stan has been walking the Romans road. And the Romans road is a pathway to peace. It's not, it's not, I'm not saying pain-free, problem-free. Don't get it twisted. It's not pain-free. It's not problem-free. But there's peace. There is peace on this road. Because what you realize is you're traveling this road. You're traveling a road to God, but you're traveling it with Jesus Christ. Like I'm walking this road to God in the midst of all my imperfection, in the midst of all this brokenness, but I'm walking it with Jesus Christ. And so there is peace. In the midst of my pain, there will be peace. In the midst of your sorrow, there can be peace. In the midst of loss, there is peace. In the midst of doubt, there is peace. In the midst of fear, there is peace. There is always a peace that passes all human understanding because our peace does not belong to humans. So here, here's all I want to say. If you don't have it yet, keep walking. Keep walking, man. This is not about your ability to figure it out. If it was, you'd be there because you're smarter than me. It's not about your strength. It's not about your, your ability to memorize the Bible. It's not about it. It's about the day when you will reach a point when you will totally and completely surrender not because you're so smart, but because the lover of your soul has wooed you into submission. Keep walking.